MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. Today, the White House goes on lockdown. The appeals court rehears Flynn's mandamus case on Bonk. More schools are reopening this week despite 97,000 children testing positive for COVID in the final two weeks of July. Russia Ron Johnson issues a subpoena for FBI Director Chris Wray. Trump says he will deliver his nomination speech from the White House or Gettysburg. In the Eric Garner inquiry, New York City says the NYPD is not obligated to discipline officers who kill, injure, or violate the rights of civilians. And a federal judge orders records unsealed in Jufri's litigation with Alan Dershowitz. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. Big show today. So during a press conference, which most networks weren't airing because they've stopped airing the BS um, from uh, the press room at the White House, a uh, Secret Service agent came in, whisked Trump away. We'll talk about that in a second. So the White House went on immediate lockdown. Um, and also, uh, you know, we will be covering all the news that's fit to swear about. We have the good news block, of course, later on with Jordan Coburn. And I'll be chatting with a candidate for Waterboard in Temecula you need to hear from. We're really going to try to focus on some more local elections because that's where everything starts, right? Just from the ground up. And uh, thanks to our patrons uh, for your support. We wouldn't be here without you. And thanks to those who have sponsored patrons who can't swing it because of financial hardships. Patrons get uh, early episodes. They get the episode the night before it comes out to the public. You get them ad-free. You also get quarantine confessions early and ad-free. And you get to come on to the happy hour meet and greet an hour early and see some celebrity pop-ins. Celebrity, you know, celebrity for our podcast pop-ins. I think that they're the most famous people ever. And, uh... You get a newsletter, you get my personal research notes. Um, if you ever care to pour through those, we send out uh, infographics and pictures that we find funny or amusing or important and links to some of the stuff that we get in our good news blocks. So, you know, we do have a very robust uh, patron uh, sort of benefit program. And we're going to be starting the Mary Trump Book Club for patrons as well, where Jordan and I would basically give you a, a six part series book report on the Mary Trump book. And that is just for patrons. And thanks to Stephen Isaac for making that possible. He is a patron who helped us, you know, fund that, uh, fund that series of episodes. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who can't swing it right now. Uh, we Our lowest um, premium membership is 3 bucks a month. But right now you can sponsor a patron for a year for just $36. And you can head to dailybeanspod.com. Scroll down to the link for sponsoring memberships. And thanks for letting me talk about it for a second. It is our, it's what keeps us going. And thank you, thank you, thank you for, for being such wonderful, wonderful patrons. We have a lot to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, so as I mentioned at the very top of the show in the intro, and this is just breaking as we're recording, but during a White House press briefing with Trump, uh, a Secret Service agent came in, whispered in his ear, whisked him out of the uh, briefing room, and then the White House went on lockdown. And apparently there was a shooting outside of the White House. CNN reporters were near Lafayette Park and heard sirens, but no shots. 
Trump returned to the briefing room and then told the press there was a shooting and Secret Service agents were in Lafayette Park ushering people out of the area. When he when Trump came back, he said there was he said, you know, he verified the shooting. He said it's under control, but someone has been taken to the hospital. He said it was the person. It was the suspect and that Secret Service shot that person and that person was going to the hospital. But he didn't have any more details on it. He didn't know the uh, who the shooter was uh, or even, you know, if it were a ma- if it was a man or a woman, et cetera, et cetera, which is what he said. Those aren't my words. Uh, he said, I, I don't know if it's a he or a she. Um, and that was sort of where it ended. And then he just said, well, anyway, I was talking about the Dow Jones and how fantastic it's doing and how we're testing more than anyone in the world. And uh, I'm the best and et cetera, et cetera. And just sort of went on Um and, you know, was asked if he was rattled. He's like, do I look rattled? Do I look rattled to you? Uh, everything's fine. Thank you to our Secret Service. And I have to say that I think it's probably just because of past practices and all sorts of uh, mistrust, if you will, in this administration that I honestly don't know if I believe that this just wasn't a wag the dog situation where Trump could not look rattled and not end up in the bunker when there's a shooting outside of the White House. I, I, it, it could have, I honestly think it is just as easily, it's just as feasible that it was staged as it was actually a threat. And that is the problem. It isn't whether or not I believe what happened or, you know, fake news media, et cetera. It's the fact that it's even a question that we cannot trust this administration far enough to throw it. We will keep you posted if anything else breaks on that. Um, But on to a coronavirus update. Schools are facing the daunting challenge of reopening while the virus continues to spread, especially under the threat of Trump, right? And now we know that at least 97,000 children around the United States tested positive in the final two weeks of July. That's according to a new report from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association. It says at least 338,000 children have tested positive from the start of the pandemic through July 30th, meaning more than 25% of the total came in just those two weeks alone. And this report comes out as some schools are reopening, and some are even now shutting down because they reopened too fast. Uh, And the Georgia governor, uh, where North Paulding High School was, that's the viral photo of the hallway uh, high school, uh, he's still defending the reopening schools, even though Paulding High School which, like I said, drew attention for the images of its hallways, did announce Sunday that it it's closed down again uh, and it's switching to online instruction. But just for Monday and Tuesday, as they disinfect the entire school. Then, from what I can tell, they're just bringing everybody back. This is happening in New York as well. New York, everyone wants their kids to go back to school in New York. They've got their cases under control. I think this is a mistake. I don't understand why we can't keep remote learning. Although I am not a parent and I don't understand how difficult that is. So I do have to you know, give, the, give you that caveat. I'm just very, very worried for these kids because we don't know how long-term impacts on children yet. Um, and I'm also worried for multi-generational households or the parents or teachers and staff. It's just I, I personally don't think it's worth the risk. Um, but states in the South and the West accounted for more than 7 out of 10 infections in in this new report with children, which relied on data from 49 states along with D.C., Puerto Rico, and Guam. And the count could be higher because the report did not include complete data from Texas and parts of New York State outside of New York City. 
Missouri, Oklahoma, Alaska, Nevada, Idaho, and Montana were among the states with the highest percentage increase of child infections during that period. And this report comes as a study in Chicago found that infected children carry at least as much virus in their nose and throat as adults do. Several studies from other countries have also suggested children under 10 in particular are much less likely to spread the virus to others. Still so much we don't know. I'm not a parent, though, so I can't, I can't speak from that point of view. And um, also, many top college football players have mounted a public campaign to salvage the fall season amid the pandemic and to assert power in a multi-billion dollar industry that has always relied on their talents and often sought to silence their voices. I'm sure we are very familiar with how that's been going. In messages on Twitter, the players, including the quarterbacks Justin Fields of Ohio State and Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, and the running back uh, Najee Harris of Alabama, all posted the same image that led with, we all want to play football this season. They urged conferences to adopt universal health guidelines, said the players should be allowed to opt out, as some already have, and declared they wanted to use their voices to establish open communication and trust between players and officials. And later on Monday, Trump joined in the debate when he retweeted Mr. Lawrence and said the student-athletes have been working too hard for their season to be canceled, and then put the hashtag, we want to play. Now, none of the Power Five conferences have abandoned plans for football season. Those are, you know, the big ones. Uh, though um, all have cautioned for months the games were no sure bet. And on Monday afternoon, a Big Ten official, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss private talks, said the president and chancellors of the conference members and schools had not taken a vote over whether to proceed with the season during recent meetings. That conference is scheduled to open September 3rd. And other conferences have already opted out. They're just not in the Power Five. Now, in, in some other news, just some quick headlines here. The positivity rate in Texas is now over 20%. That's a record. And that is despite the testing rate in Texas dropping. Again, just more math, piling on math, piling on statistics, piling on facts that says we don't have an increased number of cases because testing is increasing. Testing does not cause coronavirus. Moderna reported... Uh, that it's only been able to recruit 5,000 people for its vaccine trial, and it needs 30,000. I don't see a way that they'll have a, a vaccine ready by Election Day with only one-sixth of the people needed to prove its safety and efficacy having been recruited. And as the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, is responsible for coordinating the vast executive branch, including the COVID response, but in closed-door meetings, he's revealed skepticism of Burks and Fauci, routinely questioning their expertise, and this is according to senior administration officials and other people briefed on the internal discussions. Meadows no longer holds daily 8 a.m. meetings that include health professionals to discuss the raging pandemic. Instead, he huddles in the mornings with about a half dozen politically oriented aides. And when the virus comes up, their focus is on how to convince the public that Trump has the crisis under control rather than how to contain it. During coronavirus meetings, Meadows has repeatedly questioned the scientific consensus that wearing masks helps contain the spread of, of the coronavirus. He has regularly raised with Fauci and others a range of issues on which he thinks Fauci has been wrong, and then he personally monitors the infectious disease experts' media appearances. And when he catches Fauci sounding out of sync with the president, he admonishes the doctor to stay on message. This is according to officials familiar with this. 
And he is impressed upon Fauci and Burks and other public health professionals that they should not opine on restrictions or make policy in the media. Hmm. Why do you have them? This is from the Washington Post. Quote, if the administration's initial response to coronavirus was denial, its fa failure to control the pandemic since then was driven by dysfunction and resulted in a lost summer, according to the portrait that emerges from interviews with 41 senior administration officials and other people directly involved in or briefed on the response efforts. Many of them spoke on the condition of anonymity to reveal confidential discussions or to offer candid assessments without retribution. And now for the recent executive orders Trump has signed to try to get help to the American people. The White House is struggling explaining them, as Republicans and Democrats say they amount to constitutional slop, to uh, quote Ben Sass, Republican. And yesterday, I asked you to remember how Trump and Republicans responded to Obama's executive orders. And today, like magic, the Lincoln Project released this ad. Signing executive orders is not the way our country was supposed to be run. Nobody ever heard of an executive order. Then all of a sudden, Obama, because he couldn't get anybody to agree with him, he starts signing them like they're uh, butter. You have a president that signs executive orders because he can't get anything done. He signs on immigration and on other things. I want to not use too many executive orders, folks. <laughs> the executive orders are an outrage. We have a president that can't lead. He said, the hell with it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I want to rest and I want to do other things, including going out, play golf. This guy played hundreds of rounds of golf. And then, of course, Larry Kudlow appeared probably drunk again with Dana Bash on CNN and said the unemployment that you were going to get was $1,200. And she was like, $1,200? Are you talking about the stimulus checks? He's like, no, 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 no. $1,200. Oh, wait, no. That's the payroll tax cut. Uh, that's what you'll save on the payroll tax cut. I meant $800. And she goes, you mean $800 for unemployment? And he's like, yeah, 800, 800 bucks. He said bucks. And Dana says, you mean 400 and he goes, nope, 800. It'd be 400 from us, and we'll match the states, 400 from the states, which is incorrect. It's totally incorrect. This is a shit show run by a moron. Trump continues to spin his executive orders as beneficial to Americans when they are not at all. They are not at all beneficial to Americans. In fact, they gut how we fund Medicare and Social Security, something the Republicans have been trying to tank for years, but it's, polit it's a political third rail. You don't want to touch it. So they try these weird tax tricks and shit like that to get at it. And then, and then they go, oh, it's insolvent. Oh, we can't. We didn't even see that coming. And people fall for it every time. And it just blows my mind. And now the White House is, in, is eyeing another executive order, uh, although they're calling it a symbolic executive action, the fuck that means i don't know but they want to do this on mail-in voting they're clearly trying to sink mail-in voting to boost trump's chances of re-election and that's amid multiple reports of delayed mail lost mail issues with the postal service which are either a a dire situation that needs to be fixed immediately or it's deliberate so trump can say the po we can't trust the post office to deliver ballots safely another angle to say that this election and the results are rigged or not true or, you know, when he loses. Ah, no, nope, it was the mail, the post office. Remember how all the mail was delayed? That's the problem right there. Oh, I guess I'm still president, right? That's, um, it could be that. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> we'll be right back with headlines from under the radar. Jordan's going to join me. Maybe we'll get some laughs. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hello, today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Life is really, really stressful right now, and it's just going to get crazier and crazier as we get towards closer to the election. And people are out of work, there's a pandemic, there's anxiety about the future. It's it's really, really anxiety-inducing. And if you're struggling dealing with these issues or any others that are keeping you from having a happy life, I really want to recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. They are not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It's professional counseling, licensed, done online, securely. And they'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. I've personally dealt with trauma and PTS, and I'm a big believer in seeking help when you need it. And I really like EMDR therapy, and it's not available in my area, but they have an expert. So BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide. And like I said, they have a broad range of expertise and stuff that might not be available where you are. And the best thing about BetterHelp is that you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get timely, thoughtful responses. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, too. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid's available. So visit BetterHelp.com DailyBeans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com DailyBeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for Headlines from Under the Radar with Jordan Coburn. Hey, Jordan. Hey. How are you? I am so good. Well, you know, whatever good. whatever works. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm well. Also, good nice. and well. Good, good and well. Uh, and I'm still recovering from yesterday's show. That was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was fun. There's some good riffs. No spoilers. <laughs> Everyone just listen to yesterday's show if you haven't listened to it. It's good. Yeah. Um. And uh, I don't know, maybe we can recreate something during the good news block a little bit later. But for now, we do have some headlines that we need to uh, get to. And I'll, I'll kick us off here because uh, from this is from Politico. Senator Ron Johnson, Russia Ron Johnson, has issued his first subpoena in his Senate probe of the origins, the oranges of the special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. And his subpoena is for FBI Director Christopher Wray. The subpoena, which Politico reviewed, demands documents, but not testimony. Specifically, it asks for all documents related to the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. Just Mm. all of them. The FBI's counterintelligence probe into Russian interference in the 2016 election. That probe uh, scrutinized Americans close to then-candidate Donald Trump for their links to Kremlin officials. Mueller took over the probe in May of 2017, you might have heard. And uh, Johnson uh, already released a lengthy letter detailing the origins of his investigation and criticizing the reaction that it garnered for media reports and Democrats uh, Democrat and Republicans too. Democrats Johnson wrote have initiated a coordinated disinformation campaign and effort to personally attack himself and finance chairman Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa whose office he has worked with mm-hmm. so he was getting laundered information from uh, the Kremlin, according to U.S. intelligence officials. Well, well Kremlin-backed a Ukrainian guy named Durkach, filtered through Rudy Giuliani, mm-hmm. and maybe the fraud guarantee thing. And he's saying that the Democrats are coordinating a disinformation campaign. Um, so, projection. And he also reiterated, Johnson also reiterated in his letter, that his committee has not received anything from the, that parliamentarian, Andre Durkach. The U.S. Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a statement last week saying that Dirk Koch was participating in a Kremlin-backed effort to damage former Vice President Joe Biden's presidential campaign. 
Uh, he says, quote, it is neither me, Chairman Grassley, nor our committees that are being used to disseminate Russian disinformation. Instead, it's Democrats and the media that have been doing Russian President Vladimir Putin's work for him. <laughs> Puppet masters in the Kremlin could not be more pleased at the political division and discord that has been driven by the resistance movement against President Trump. I love that because you know how easy it would have been for the Republicans to just listen to all of the intelligence officials that were saying Russia was a problem and to just have gotten on board with the Democrats. And then it could have been a lovely coordinated front against a foreign adversary they're the ones that turn it into an actual tit for tat it's like they're the ones on the wrong side of history i fucking hate hearing that also they just want subpoena power so bad they just want to fucking swing their subpoenas around oh oh nice hell yeah but seriously (laughs) they're jealous because the democrats had a bunch of their subpoena power upheld and it's annoying to them and now that they have a chance to do it they want to and they will not stop yeah yeah and and those have always, you know, in the Senate, those always has all has a <laughs> Those have always been Republican-led committees. They've always had this power. It was just right. the dumbest thing to ever do, and now they're just doing it the minute before the election, right. so that they can, I don't know, you know, launder Russian disinformation into our country using our Senate. Yes. Cool. Well, the news was always centered around the Democrats' pursuit of the truth uh, through, you know, impeachment or whatever other various inquiries were going on. So I feel like yep. now, now they they see a little uh, window in the media that they they're like, hey, we want some airtime too. It's our turn uh-huh. for these investigations. No matter if one is more legitimate than the other, we just want to be in the fucking limelight also. Yeah. Yeah. The worst. And um, speaking of investigations, there was a hearing in the Eric Garner inquiry today, right? Yeah. So Eric Garner, that is the case of a black man who was murdered by police in New York City, also in a chokehold. Uh, he also said the same words that George Floyd did, said that he could not breathe, and despite all of that, they still murdered him. So a Manhattan Supreme Court Justice, Joan Madden, uh, overheard, overheard <laughs> over is overseeing this case, and they, New York City Law Department attorneys, said the craziest shit in court, and it really pissed off that justice. They said that it is not the police department's duty to discipline officers who kill, injure, or violate the rights of civilians. And so very similarly to the, you know, shooting someone on Fifth Avenue argument, the Supreme Court justice pushed back and said, you know, can you please clarify your position? Because that sounds pretty extreme, basically. And Madden asked Kitzinger, that's the name of uh, that attorney, if they could envision any case where a commissioner has a duty to discipline an offending officer rather than just open an investigation. And basically the answer to that was they maintained that extreme opinion, which was just really offensive to so many people. Uh, Eric Garner's mom has been the person who's really been fighting for this. She was saying, you know, this is just, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is fucked up. This is it doesn't make any sense that they would even make this argument it's offensive it's offensively extreme their family said in a petition a year ago there is no area of local government where public accountability is more necessary than policing especially when police conduct results in the loss of life yet there has been scant information released by the city about mr garner's death for example 
The city has not even identified all of the NYPD officers present at the scene. Further, the public has been made aware of only one disciplinary proceeding, Daniel Pantaleo. He's the officer whose chokehold led to Mr. Garner's death. Uh, He had a semi-public administrative hearing that failed to address several unanswered questions and indeed raised even more questions. So this has just been an ongoing fight for justice for Eric Garner, and it's really sad and disappointing to see how hard his family and their attorneys have to fight right now to to get what they 100% deserve, which is to, at the very least, have this be public information for there to be investigations into it. Like I said, only that one officer has been fired. There's just so much that needs to happen. And so the end result of what's going through the courts right now hopefully will be that there will be an investigation ordered into eric garner's murder Mm. well i'm uh, like every day i'm astonished and unsurprised Mm -hmm. at the same time do you know what i mean like i just have this weird cognitive dissonance going on every day um particularly surrounding the black lives matter movement that i am simultaneously absolutely disgusted and astonished and yet totally unsurprised Mm -hmm. and um this is this is infuriating Mm -hmm. um we'll see where that goes we'll keep everybody posted on it um in another case going on in court right now a federal judge in manhattan today ordered that several records be unsealed in the case related to deceased pedophile jeffrey epstein's alleged sex trafficking enterprise this case involves the counter lawsuit filed by alan dershowitz against epstein accuser virginia jufre who accused dershowitz of lying about having sex with her when she was a minor uh dershowitz in turn that's rape it's called rape dershowitz in turn filed a countersuit in april accusing her of defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress claiming he never even met jufre in the litigation dershowitz who is a former epstein attorney by the way filed a motion to compel former victoria's secret ceo les wexner and the wexner family attorney john zeiger to produce certain documents under subpoena and to sit for depositions in the case In response to the motion, Dershowitz, Jufre, Wexner, and Zeiger all submitted letters to the court under seal. According to Monday's order, those letters will now be unsealed for the first time. And as soon as they are released, they might might be in the process of being released at this minute while we're recording. I'm going to go over them and and we'll report on them as soon as we have them and and I've read them. But those are coming out. And, And we know, going back a long time, do you remember when somebody filed under seal to stop a lot of these documents from coming out. And Mm -hmm. I said, it's got to be Dershowitz. It's got to be Dershowitz and it's got to be Wexner. And here we are. Um, So we'll let you know um, what they say when I get my, when I get my hands on them. Um, I think, I I mean, obviously Gillen is like awful, but Dershowitz is just, he particularly disgusts me. Anytime his name comes up, it's just so fucking gross. I think it is because he's still allowed to operate at very high levels in his career. It's it's like, it's mm-hmm. so, like I said once before, just showing up in impeachment hearings and I just, I want him, like, gone forever. Yeah, the fact that he filed a countersuit uh, for emotional distress. Exactly. Exactly. Like, that seems like a very petty, unnecessary thing for him to have done. In addition to him just being a straight-up liar about all of this, because I 100% believe the women. Yep. (sighs) Well, (laughs) 
Let's uh, take it. Let's have a palate cleanser. Let's yeah. do a palate cleanser. Sure. Here's here's a palate cleanser of horrible news coming up. Um, <laughs> Trump <laughs> is sticking to his fascism guns, saying that he is going to uh, have deliver his acceptance speech for his nomination by the Republican Party, either from the White House or from Gettysburg because mm. you know how much he loves to never forget the civil war but in the worst way possible he has an obsession <laughs> with preserving civil war monuments i think that that is 100% why he's even considering having it there there's no uh, or it's that or the fact that he thinks he's the best president since lincoln um and that's his him and his fucking also Nelson Mandela he's he's done more he's done more for uh, for black rights since Nelson Mandela and he's the best 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 president since Lincoln um i think yeah and he even says he even says maybe lincoln not even like definitely lincoln but maybe lincoln's the only other person who's done more for for, for black yes. civil rights yes it's so you know what's so especially gross about him picking that site potentially is he can cloak it as him being, you know, someone that cares about civil rights. And then really, it's just dog whistling to his white supremacist base who can't get over that they lost the civil war. Like it's, it's, it's plays, it plays both sides, which is just like truly psychopathy to like another level but um his press secretary declined to say why they were toying with the idea of gettysburg um and she said the president has done a lot to bring this country together we faced unprecedented Mm. challenges and he's worked to make sure that the american people are best equipped and taken care of to rise above challenges that we face (laughs) she said that with a straight face (laughs) yeah she said that with a straight fucking face. That's also the most like general runner like a runaround sentence. <laughs> we, we faced unprecedented challenges and taken care of to rise above challenges that we face. <laughs> it's like this things thing. are good. All boats rise together. Angels of our better natures. We all are one. God yeah. bless you. Yeah, yeah, it's like okay. It reminds me of that. You know that part in. Um, Oh, Bull Durham, I think, is like, I just want to do what's best for the league, and God willing, uh, things will turn out great. You know, like the the typical press conference bullshit shit you feed people. But the fun part's going to be, here's the fun part. Just today, he said, he just said that the, the pandemic of 1917 ended World War II. Today, he said that. Now, first of all, it's a 1918 pandemic. Uh, second of all, World War II was in the 40s. Yeah. World War One was in the teens. And so I can't wait for him to be like, here we are, the Battle of Gettysburg took back place back in the 1960s while we were all dropping acid and we all went to Monterey. And he's going he's gonna to make some sort of fucking historical gaffe on the, you know, 1861 to 1864, 1860 Lincoln was elected. Like, I know these things. I guess guarantee you he doesn't and i hope somebody just asks him hey when was that civil war can you just tell us like just i would just love for him yeah make sure you put it on the note card in big bold letters <laughs> numbers <laughs> i need dates well we all know centuries we all know that 
Hammurabi and the Magna Carta of 1215 are what ended the Civil War. Uh, And it was Warren G. Harding that uh, issued the Emancipation Proclamation, but Lincoln signed it. It's going to (laughs) be... It's going to be tremendous, and I can't wait to hear the historical... Because do you remember when he was doing the thing, we, we bammed the ramparts and we... Revolutionary War. We rammed the ramparts, we jammed the thing, we raided the airports. And rocked the Reds' glare. He's, yeah. He's so... He's so... And I'm not making that up. He said that shit, and he did it today again, and... It's going to be real. I, I hope. I mean, I hate that he's going to desecrate such a like a, a, a an historical site. But I hope he tries to talk about history when he's there because it never goes well for him. Yeah. I mean, I really unfortunately think mostly this is just an opportunity for dog whistling in like a really insidious, yeah. creepy way. That sucks. But yep. yeah, they uh, <laughs> what it, didn't the, the anniversary of Hiroshima just passed on like August 6th or something. Maybe he was confusing. Um well, definitely he was confusing <laughs> something. Well, from the airports of the Civil War is where we launched an Gay that dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. Yes. You didn't know that? Yeah. I mean, everyone knows right, that. We learned that. We learned that in grade school. Yes, of course. <laughs> exactly. At least I know there weren't airports during the Civil or Revolutionary Wars and that uh, that anything pandemic, whether it was 1917 or 1918, which he continues to get wrong, had anything to do with <laughs> World War II. But, you know, here we are. And uh, go ahead and talk. Uh, I dare you. <laughs> That's, that, that should be Joe Biden's slogan. What do you think he's going to wind up doing? Why the White House or, or Gettysburg? Well, I think he's going to go let a pushback on the White House. Um, that Definitely. is very very illegal. Um, yeah, he will also. I, I think it. I think he's going to go for Gettysburg just because it's less illegal. God, Gettysburg is just such a creepy choice. I hate that so much. Yeah. Ugh, it isn't good. It isn't good. But. Um, Stick around. We do have good news coming up, and that'll that'll cheer you up. And don't forget, this show is going to air on the day the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals will rehear the Flynn Mandamus case against Judge Sullivan on Bonk. And I have never in my life said I've been 100% sure about the outcome of a case, but I am 100% sure Flynn and the Department of Justice are going to lose this one. So stay tuned to see if those beans come true. And speaking of beans... We'll be right back with the author of our catchphrase, Put Some Beans On It, who is now a candidate for local office. Uh, Changing the politics of our nation starts with local elections, and we want to shine a light on some local leaders and grassroots efforts. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG here. Things are challenging enough these days, and seeing a doctor shouldn't be. And that's why I use Plush Care. Plush Care provides primary and urgent health care through virtual appointments, and scheduling an appointment, even for the same day, is really easy. Uh, I just pick a slot that works for me, and I book it online so I don't waste time on hold or sitting in a crowded waiting room. With my Plush Care membership, I can see my doctor from the comfort of my own home, even in my pajamas. I can get diagnosed, treated, and even have a prescription sent to my local pharmacy if needed, all within minutes. And if I have questions before or after a visit, I can send unlimited messages to my care team anytime. Plus, Plush Care accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. And with how difficult things are, if you're feeling anxious, depressed, or stressed about what's going on in the world, Plush Care doctors are here to help by discussing treatment options and providing prescriptions as needed. I can tell you personally, my Plush Care experience has been a breeze. Signing up was easy. I did it in the car. I was parked. I wasn't driving. But, you know, that's how quick and easy it was. 
It's just as easy to schedule an appointment, too. The entire process has been super convenient, and I was amazed at how immediately comfortable and confident I was with my provider. All plush care doctors are graduated from one of the top 50 medical schools in the U.S., and they're highly rated by their patients. That gives me peace of mind that I'm getting the highest quality health care. Plush Care makes it easy for me to get the excellent care I need when I need it, and they can do the same for you. So start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash dailybeans to start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash dailybeans for a free 30-day trial. Plushcare.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am happy and proud to announce that my friend Dallas McLaughlin is running for the water board in the Rancho California Water District. That's uh, Orange County wine country nestled in between San Diego and Los Angeles-ish. Um, he is billed as a common sense first time candidate who believes in a future for the Rancho California Water District invested in staying current with new techniques, innovation and technology. Dallas, thank you for speaking with me today. I'm so excited for you. Oh, stop it. Thank you for having me. This is so awesome. Uh, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Very, very excited to be here. <laughs> and in fact, what a great time to to retell everyone how the phrase "put some beans on it" came about because it's been a couple years, and uh, you know we we stopped telling the story. Everyone just sort of picked it up and went and went with it. Everyone's oh. just sort of gone with it now. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't know you are the author. Of that catchphrase when I was looking for uh, I was looking for something like put a pin in it or mm-hmm. let's remember this and uh, I remembered a, a comedy bit you did and you wanted a catchphrase because then you would become a famous comedian and I think put some beans on it was one of those phrases and so thank you. Hey, no problem, uh, and that's why you should vote for me. Put mm-hmm. some beans on it. I should have <laughs> I should have put that slogan. on the posters. Yeah. Right? Oh man, I I really biffed it with that one. Yikes. No, but this is serious business, especially uh, in the Rancho California Water District, because you have a lot of wineries up there. And Mm -hmm. and tell us a little bit about the current water board and how it seems like there's a lot of, you know, conflicty of interesty type things that are going on with the current board. Well, yeah, up here, you know, if you've never been to Temecula, it's it's wine country for Southern California, essentially. And it's a wine up here is one of the biggest draws. Tourism is a huge thing in, T- in the Temecula Valley. The water district up here also includes parts of Murrieta, uh, Wildemar, and Deleuze. It's, it's a very wide district. And the wineries make up a big block of that. And they're important. They're, they're very important to Temecula, the livelihood of the valley. A lot of people have uh, wonderful jobs uh, in that section. Uh, however, you know, we do see as a resident of Temecula, we love this place. It's beautiful. Um, it's also very hot and dry. Water is very, very important to the residents and to the wineries, obviously. The wineries use a lot of it. And they're going to push and for their deals. They want to get the best price for the amount of water they're using at their wineries. And there's a lot of board members, past and present, who uh, have heavy stakes in those wineries. Some of them are owners. uh, Some of them are investors in the property. And not to say anything is nefarious. You know, let me not go that far and be scandalous. But at the same time, we want to make sure, myself and uh, one of the gentlemen I'm also running alongside as, as kind of a slate uh, named Skylar Temple, we're both looking at it from the residential aspect, that we need hmm. somebody that's on that board that is looking out for the residents. And as our bills kind of continue to go up as residents um, and the winery bills kind of stay the same, we want to make sure that everyone's on the same playing field. Uh, and, and that's important to us. And and it, I don't think the wineries 
necessarily are out to get the residents at all. You know, I, I don't want to send a mixed message, but like they have their players on the board. The residents need their players on the board as well. We want an equal field for everybody, especially right now during coronavirus. Uh, people don't have jobs. People are losing money. The last thing they need is to worry about their bill going up while other places, you know, continue to get some sweetheart deals. Yeah. And you also have to consider people are staying home now more often. They're using mm. more water. It's going to drive their bills up. And I think it's really important to have that residential representation on the water board, like you said. Not that the, you know, that the owners of the wineries are, uh, you know, doing anything nefarious, just yeah, like no. you said, equal representation. And, and I think that, um, you know, with I, I, don't, I don't know if a lot of folks, because here in, in Southern California, our our water bills are pretty exorbitant and uh, mm. you know just speaking from down here in, in the downtown like mid san diego like town area mm-hmm. we, you know we pay a couple hundred bucks uh every yeah. month for water and i'm a single person the cats take eight hour showers though and i can't <laughs> stop them from doing but it's very yeah. expensive because it's so scarce out here we just came out of a drought and that's something else that we have to consider right It's very important. Um, As I sit in my car and it's 97 degrees outside, it is very uh, important that we keep the water flowing. And just like you said, we um, during the pandemic, you know, I probably never cooked as much as I have in my life uh, as I have in the last four months. So we need that water to boil, to bathe and uh, and to drink. And up here, we are, we are, I, I use the hashtag blessed. We are hashtag blessed up here, Allison. <laughs> AG, sorry. Am I not allowed to say Allison? I don't know. You can. You can it's cut fine. that Everyone out. Everyone knows you me. Can cut now. that out. No, we'll um, leave it in. We'll leave it in. It's okay. more hashtag, genuine. Hashtag AG. Um, we are uh, very blessed to have an infrastructure that's not very old. Like you talk about San Diego and their district. I mean, that, you know, some of those pipes have been around for, for decades. Mm. And, up here, we don't have that kind of a problem. But what we do have a problem in is, is, is making sure that those pipes, that infrastructure is constantly being monitored. Uh, we don't want to get too lazy uh, and just sit back and be like, well, everything's pretty new, so why should we worry? Uh, when we say pretty new, we're talking about 15 years old, 10 to 15 years old. That's nice and new, but it's not new enough that we shouldn't be concerned at all times. And that is something that I want to make sure the water board... Uh, the water district as a whole is investing. And that's why we say investing in new technology. Technology is incredible right now. And the way that you can do, um, uh, whether you can monitor the water that's going into certain places is incredible. It's totally different than anybody would ever expect. Um, and we want to make sure that that technology that's coming out is being utilized, not just passed aside as, ah, well, we don't, we don't need it. We're doing fine. Uh, that, that's something that's very important to me. As somebody who is, you know, youngish, let's be honest, for people who you imagine on the waterboard, everybody's like, oh, yes, a lawyer who has <laughs> who's gray hair. Uh, I would be a younger member of the waterboard, and I want to make sure that the younger voices are heard, those of us who support new technology and new innovations, rather than just saying, well, the waters aren't burst. Let's play a little more offense than defense. Yeah. yeah I, that, I think the technology is really important. I mean, my water meter is so old. How old is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's so old. It's just Bernoulli with an abacus. Am I right? <laughs> All right. It's uh, just a rat on a crank spitting enough, water. Uh, yeah. Enough with the heat transfer and fluid flow jokes. But but seriously, <laughs> um, I think th- I want to talk to you about the importance of, of local politics and how mm. 
how that ripple effect goes all the way up to our national politics. Because as you sure. know, we've heard Trump with his weird rallies. I don't know if you've heard him talk about the water pressure, the water pressure in California. <laughs> you turn it on, you have to wash your dishes, you, it, boop, drops come out, and then you end up using more water. And I'm going to make it so you don't have to. He wants to, I think he, what's he's trying to say, he wants to remove water governors from people's appliances or something. But yeah. uh, it, it it's, I, I really think that in, local races are the backbone and the foundation of our national politics. And that's why I'm so glad you're running. Well, yeah, I mean, you and I have known each other for a very long time. And um, I and I've been on the podcast a couple of times just as a guest. And even then, I've I've always talked up and praised that if you really want to make a difference in what's happening in, in the in the government, then it starts with the government that's right down the street from you. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's, you know, people believe so, so, so uh, fervently that Obama is the reason this happened to me or Trump is the reason it happened to me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is true. But moreover, what's actually happening to you on your paycheck and on your taxes and what's what, what's happening in your home and your HOA prices, all those things are, are local. And a lot of people don't think about it. They don't care about it. Um, and they should. Uh, and, and that is why this has become important to me. Uh, it, it seemed just like the perfect time. You know, obviously, both of us have worked in the entertainment industry for a very long time. <laughs> there really isn't one right now. And and that's so it seemed like a perfect time for me to kind of put my money where my mouth is and say, you know, what, I've been talking up getting involved locally for so long. I might as well do it. And, and the water district is is a nice way to get involved where you can actually be effective as a first time candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of people who who think, well, if I'm going to get involved, I'm going to be mayor. And I <laughs> like and not that you can't try, but there's a lot more going on than you think. And the water board is for me something I can look at and is tangible to to me, to what I know, to what I can understand. And it's also a way for me to to step in and say, listen, this is what I believe is somebody who is a uh, has a young family. Uh, and I believe a lot more people in our communities uh, believe the way you do, believe the way I do, where, you know, I've, I've never been shy about saying I'm a moderate. You know, I, I know that's kind of a dirty word for a lot of people, but um, I believe a lot of local people who live locally on your street are moderates. They, they just want the best deal for their lives. And they don't understand that that deal comes from down the street. So it, I, I will never... Uh, I, I encourage everyone to get involved with local politics and to back candidates to run for office. Why not? You know, you run for school board. It's it's honestly not as hard as you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, say, what's your advice? It's kind of easy. Everyone should do it. And that's actually the truth. It is. It, listen, if you can get past the hardest part of this so far for me has been the paperwork. If you can get past getting yourself on the ballot, um, you that's you'll be fine. And obviously there's there's fundraising, which I'm experiencing now as a first time candidate. Not easy. Um, but here in, in our city up here in Temecula, it is this kind of election would normally be me pounding the pavement going door to door. Well, people don't really want to do that right now. Um, you don't want to go out and shake hands and, and be in front of people. So now we're kind of seeing a different way to to 
be locally minded, which is getting involved in local Facebook groups and and uh, Instagram, having a presence on Instagram, stuff like that, where you can get your name out there to your neighbors without going next door and saying hi, because people might go, can you please get away from my door? <laughs> You're coughing. <laughs> do you have a do you have a TikTok water channel yet? Is that I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just no. It's uh, yeah. It's at TikTok water. Uh, <laughs> I'm, so no, I'm way I, too old for TikTok, but I love it. I love it as a platform. I love it as a platform. I had a TikTok uh, account for about a month before I realized I don't know what this is and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw the Papa John's account. The guy who Papa John, I forget what his last name, John something. <laughs> he has a TikTok account and it is creepy. So I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I mean, I guess if you're going to compare, you're doing all right. I appreciate it. I would like you to tell everyone uh, who's here locally in, in Southern California or anyone who's interested in what it's like to get into politics locally for the first time. I want to know where they can find you, where they can find you, where they can donate if they want to back you as a candidate. Oh, Just yeah. where, they, where can they find you? Yes. Listen, the beauty about uh, government local politics, as we've seen, especially lately, you don't have to live in Temecula to give me money. So, hey, why don't you give me money? <laughs> uh, and also the beauty of local races, I mean, especially in these kind of small, smaller cities, is that we don't, we're not trying to raise 50 grand here. You know, our, our amounts are much lower. It's, it's covering the cost of lawn signs and, you know, some Facebook ads and stuff like that. So we've set very modest goals. Um, my website is dallasfortemecula.com. Very simple, Dallas for Temecula, uh, F-O-R. Uh, Instagram at Dallas for Temecula. And um, right, on my, right on all those places will be the donate link where you can just give any amount. Five bucks, ten bucks, doesn't matter. Everything helps. Uh, we we've been fortunate enough to get some donations already. We we launched last week the campaign, and um, and every little bit helps, especially when these local races. And that's I think one of the big things too for people who want to get involved locally. Don't think don't go in going oh I have to raise a million dollars because it's just not true. Mm -hmm. um, you can get involved very local and not have to raise that much money. And you'd be surprised what happens when people believe in you. But please, if you have questions about water or what I believe in, or even wanting to get involved locally, dallasfortemecula.com uh, is where you would go. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that anybody has. Uh, I, I feel like you, you of all people can, can probably back me up on this. Cities are only, are only as big as as small they are. Uh, cause you'll get involved in some group and you realize that, you know, everybody in that group all of a sudden. Yep. Um, so don't ever be afraid. Don't think that something's too big cause it's definitely not. Wow. Well, thank you for that. And, uh, you know, I've got your back and, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm super proud of you. This is going to be so awesome. And I, I can't wait. Uh, to, yeah, to... it's your turn next. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Why Come would on. I do that? No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I know I'm eyeing city council. <laughs> I actually am eyeing city council, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, I've, you're right. I will. At some point, I will. I have to, right? I have to. You have to. And, you have to try. And honestly, you're an inspiration for this, so I really appreciate this. Oh, I will be bending so your ear on how to get it done because I know you're going to be successful. Dallas McLaughlin, everybody check him out. Please do. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. You come back and tell us how things are going, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hey, listen, if I get like two donations from this podcast, I'll come back next week. 
<laughs> what if what if you got more donations to not come back? Would you be? I'm just kidding. Whatever anybody wants. Whatever anybody wants. <laughs> I'm joking, everyone. We're comedians. We work together forever. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and I appreciate that. Everybody, we're going to be right back after this quick break with the good news, although this was a good news interview. So uh, stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG. This segment of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep, best mattress in the world. Ooh, ooh. Like lots of listeners that I have talked to, I have experienced a variety of really awful sleep issues. Trouble falling asleep, tossing and turning, night sweats, getting up feeling tired and sore in the morning. It's been awful. And at first I thought it was caused by the nightmare of having an illiterate game show host as the president of the United States. But as it turned out, I also had a garbage mattress. So garbage president, but garbage mattress. Everything changed, though, with Helix Sleep. Helix understands that you're unique, and they customize your mattress to fit you and the way you sleep best. They created an online sleep quiz that takes two minutes, and it, basically they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. It's like a custom mattress. And if you like mattresses that are soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back, or if you're a hot sleeper, which I definitely am, with Helix, there is a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. Uh, I was matched with the Helix Midnight. I like my bed medium firm. I sleep on my side. So it was perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ Wired Magazine. And of course, Jordan Coburn and Mandy Angelou. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps, risk-free, and they'll pick it up if you don't love it, but you will love it. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we're blowed on good news is on the way. And joining me today for the good news segment is our friend Jordan Coburn. Hey, what's up, Jordan? Hey, I'm doing great. I like that Mr. Rogers intro. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came You're from. Sing me in. <laughs> I like it. I've been singing a lot to myself lately. Yeah, I know that's lovely. Like, I, like John Cryer does this. I do this. Patton Oswalt does this. He calls it jock jamming your life where you just yeah. walk around and... You're like, gonna watch some knife-making shows and eat some fried chicken delivered. Mm. Yeah. You know, you just go, just go, I don't know. It just yeah. happens. You just set my weekend plans. Thank you. That sounds wonderful. Oh, hey. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Anytime you need me to sing you a plan, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Instead of a singing telegram, <laughs> I'm your singing teleplan, and I will make Ooh. it happen for you. So. We have a lot of really, really great good news stories. Thank you for sending them in. You can send them in at dailybeanspod.com. That's also where you can sign up to become a patron or you can sign up to sponsor a patron if maybe you can afford it, but somebody else can't. There's a lot of people on our waiting list who can't quite swing it right now. And you get them a whole year for 36 bucks. And thanks to everyone who's been donating those. It's been really, really incredible. Um, I'm going to kick off the good news segment, which I've been very excited about all day. And uh, if that's okay with you. Yes. All right. Here we go. First up from Sober Guy. When the quarantine started, I was an inpatient for 37 days of alcohol rehab. 
I got out at the end of March. I am more than 100 days sober. It feels great to remember things from one day to the next, and I no longer have stale beer stench coming out of my pores all the time, <laughs> so my wife can stand to be near me again. The downside is that I'm drinking a crap ton of soda because quitting alcohol triggered a sweet tooth from hell, but it's better than killing myself with booze. Congratulations. Yay. Congratulations. It is so hard. We've had a lot of good news stories come in from people staying sober and being sober during during uh, the pandemic, and I've had a lot. I've had friends who are sober who have relapsed and gone back to it and so it's it's a difficult thing and i'm in awe and congratulations on that and we just had if you if you want i think demian um who came on to our friday daily beans happy hour Mm -hmm. went over how he quit he quit um alcohol cigarettes and soda yes and he he did it um, successfully, and so you know maybe we can send out uh, a link to our replay of that in our newsletter or something like that. That'd be fun anyway, so everyone can see sort of yeah. what goes on if they can't make it. Yeah, totally. Demian was saying that the Coke was harder, Coca Cola was harder to stop than anything else, which mm-hmm. blows my mind. Yeah. And that's how they design it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, sober guy. Now your name is officially sober guy. So I can only assume it's been legally changed, which means you're doomed to success, because that yes. label shall forever fit you. That is how names work. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, I I believe so much in you. Um, mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. And yes, total shout out to everybody else that's staying sober through this, or ones that are struggling with it. And that's okay too. Just like. Every day is a new day. Every hour is a new hour. You can you can do it. And you are doing mm-hmm. it. Lovely. So cool. Uh, next up from Anonymous in Canada, pronouns they, them. When the pandemic started, my spouse and I had been in dire straits financially for a while as my partner had lost a huge contract in the fall and was struggling to find more work. My teaching contract ended in April and so we thought... We were going to be really screwed. Miraculously, we were both eligible for CERB. That stands for Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. Since we have more financial stability now than we've had for a while, we are able to really dive into showing up for our neighbors and community in whatever ways we can. I started making and donating masks to local organizations. When there were no more local orgs that wanted masks, I started selling masks at an accessible price with the intention to donate most of the proceeds. In the last month, I've been able to give $500 to a local organization that gives financial support to low-income trans women, $300 to a single black dad who lost his job due to the pandemic and is now starting his own business, and have committed to contribute to a monthly fund for low-income black folks to access therapy with black therapists. And I still had enough left to pay my studio rent. My spouse has taken this time to befriend and check in on some of our elderly neighbors and now has regular phone chats and email exchanges with some single elders that live on our block, as well as doing errands for them whenever they will let them. Um, One of our new older friends is an artist and gifted us an amazing sculpture after my spouse said they liked it. Finally, when the large protest started here, I was really grateful to get invited into a group of folks who attend protests with the intention of helping protesters stay safe. The cops in my city have been denounced by human rights orgs because of their violent tactics in suppressing protests. We are now prepared to help deal with tear gas and with basic first aid gear. Many of us are taking street medic trainings, emotional first aid trainings, and legal observer trainings so we can continue to support the movement in this material way. I am so, so grateful for this time to get to know my neighbors better and to materially support people in my broader community in the ways that I can. Thank you so much for your work on the show. 
Daily Beans is an indispensable part of my morning routine, which is pretty much the only thing that keeps me oriented in actual time these days. <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because we record it the day before and release it to patrons that night and it comes out to the public the next morning. And when we're saying today, tomorrow, when is the hearing? I think it's <laughs> yeah. today if you're listening to it today. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad we can help you orient you with your time. Totally. Temporarily, we shit the show wow. out sideways. So it's uh, good. Yeah, good that you receive it in a way that makes sense. Um, <laughs> that's what incredible work. <laughs> yes, seriously. Sometimes we get those good news blocks that are just like so much good news perfectly wrapped into one delivery. And that was one of those for me. That's amazing. Great, great work. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. And next up from Mo in Miami, she's got a little bit of schadenfreude in here. Uh, Say no to racism. She opens. Uh, Pronoun she, her. Voters in Arizona recently handed the pardoned Joe Arpaio a loss in his bid to run for his old office. He has now lost three of his last four races and is hanging up his hate. (laughs) At least as an elected official. (laughs) I had to read that again. I'm like, did she (laughs) mean that? Nope. She meant hate. That's perfect. Hanging up his hate at least as an elected official at the age of 88, as sheriff of Maricopa County, who was a horrific racist who targeted people of color and bragged about it. Basically, he was convicted of being a racist and was just a recipient of Dump's first pardon. Let's hope the Democrat beats Arpaio's old deputy, Jerry, in November, who beat Joe by a landslide. Hashtag no racist cops. Yeah, he was terrible. He put people on chain gangs. Uh, He dressed people in pink jumpsuits to emasculate them. Um, he would have them on picking up trash and breaking rocks on the side of a road in 110 degree heat. He put people in tent cities and would feed them old moldy food on purpose. Oh my God. He was fuck? awful, awful, awful. And finally, the new generation came up. The young people in Maricopa County said, fuck that. And he's lost three out of his last four races and he can go eat a dick. Um, yeah. That guy's a dick. Um, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. But he lost. Yes. Um, My sister goes to school in Southern California somewhere, and her roommate is from Arizona, and he came into her house the other day, and since they're not doing school in person, you know, they've been really having no reason to come back and live in the house that they have, but her roommate decided to come back because he was like, I just couldn't look around anymore knowing that i'm surrounded by people that support joe just in general like the whole thing was so triggering for him his name even coming up again because he's been in the news there and nationally for so long for being a piece of shit it's just like that that state for someone that's really progressive must be so hard to live in constantly to the point where yeah my sister's roommate literally was like i took a road trip all the way to southern fucking california to get out of my goddamn state because i can't take it anymore but this is a piece of good news, and I'm sure he will be reveling in this, uh, this said roommate. Yeah, we got to turn Arizona blue. We have to. It's going to be great. Hell yeah. It's going to be yes. tremendous. I believe in Arizona and everybody that lives there. Y'all are doing amazing work. Next up from Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Hey, friends. This good news story goes out to everyone who has been putting in the work of educating racist family and friends. Ever since the killing of George Floyd, I have been in an ongoing dialogue with my dad, who is currently serving a sentence in state prison due to his struggle with drug addiction. Somewhere along his time in prison, he got involved in a prison white supremacy gang. To say it's been emotionally and mentally draining to try to educate him is an understatement. 
There were and still are some days where I feel burnt out and don't even know how to respond to him, but I have taken the time to research the facts and give them to him as he doesn't have access to information like I do on the outside. The good news here is that my work has begun to pay off. He has started to shift his mindset on a lot of racial issues in this country and asks me all kinds of questions on black history and current events. I don't want to get into detail of the way he used to think about Uh, He used to think, but he's finally starting to see the truth. Our conversations planted a seed in him that has caused him to try and undo his literal white supremacy. I hope the story offers hope to anyone going through these difficult conversations with family right now. I know you cannot change everyone's views, but the work does at times pay off. Thank you guys so much for bringing me the news every day. AG, your research notes have been pivotal in giving me a guide on how to conduct my own research, and I don't know if I would have been as successful with my dad if it wasn't for you. I hope everyone has an amazing week. Sending love and positive vibes your way. Wow. Wow. I never thought I would be contributing in that way. You know, every day I learn something. Yeah. I learn something new um, about about our listeners. And um, again, every day I'm just humbled. Yeah. I am also so sorry that that's how you have to visit and talk to your dad. Just yeah, criminalizing drug addiction is like one of the biggest issues that the whole prison industrial complex entirely relies on. I'm really sorry. Um, Your dad is wrapped up in that. And good on you. And Jesus. Yeah. Strong as fuck. All right. Thank you again. Whoa. I'm I'm very touched by that. Uh, Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, Next up from Anonymous. I work in a small rural hospital riddled with problems. For the past two years, I've been working with a few other dedicated people to make some meaningful positive change. It's been an absolute slog. More than once, we as a group have been discouraged, but recommitted as a group to stick it out. In the past month, we have had some clusterfucks and shit shows. It's been rough, but we are finally seeing some big movement toward reform and improvement. For the first time, I am hopeful that we are making some real progress toward making this place the hospital our impoverished community deserves. Whatever your fight, if you are defending a righteous cause, persist. It is hard. It gets ugly but it's worth it. Yep. I I concur with that a hundred percent. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read the next one too, because it's real short, but I'm, I'm with you on that. I've worked in, I I've never worked in a small rural hospital, but I worked in big bureaucratic hospitals and it's, it is a slog and it's a lot of people don't understand. It's a slog, whether you work in a big complex health system or whether you work in a tiny rural hospital. So thank you for what you're doing. And um, this is from Amber, pronouns she, her. According to the No Hate campaign, Scotland is the first country to add LGBTQ plus history to the school curriculum. Yay. Congratulations. Yes. Go Scotland. Woo-hoo. Heck yeah. I need to visit Scotland. I realized, I, or I, I realized, not on my own volition, but I learned, um, I learned that I am more Scottish than I am Irish. I've been, I've been directing all of my pride to the wrong country, AG. It's been a trip. <laughs> I know. I grew up thinking I was Irish. I'm Irish. You know, uh, last name f- feels Irish. I don't know. I don't know. I thought I was Irish. It's just cool to be Irish. And uh, nope. Yes, it is. Nope. Not at all. I am uh, English and Dutch and like yep. mostly Dutch and, and like everything else. In fact, when I got my results back, it was like, you're 96% Western European. And I was yeah. like, okay. And then and then it said, and I was looking at the results on my phone, and at the bottom of the screen it said, less than 4% other. And I was like, something, ooh. And I scroll down, and my other 4% 
is from the Caucasus. So I am 96% white and 4% Caucasian. I just so you can kind of get a, a sort of a, a nice picture of how fucking privileged I am. It is, yeah. I am, yeah, there's nothing in there but just a, a bunch of old dead white dudes. Yeah. Uh, well, what are you going to do? You're trying to um, make up for it in your work every day. Not consciously, but effectively, that's what I think you're doing. So <laughs> that's, I guess that's a counter to your white assness. I am also, I am even whiter, I think. Although I am Jewish, I guess, that we we did have a, a bad run there for a while. Mm. But, but yeah, it's, um, I need to take a DNA test. I didn't get, I had the saliva in the jar and then I was like ready to send it out. And then I just had this weird sci-fi moment where I was like, God, don't do it. And I threw it away. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And and honestly, the reason I didn't have that weird sci-fi moment is because like I said, I've been in the military. I worked for the government, the federal government forever. They have... They know me. They know totally. who I am. There's no denying totally. uh, I am who I am. So Totally. Yeah. I know this is like, I know your your blood, you know, won't like turn you up as, as Jewish, but if, I don't know, if they put the pieces together and things go really south with this fascist in the White House, I'm seriously like, I don't want anybody to piece together any pieces that uh, I'm a Jew, although that's... I say that half as a joke, and you could definitely find it out through other ways. But just, just kind of stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm afraid they, they're gonna find ways to weaponize that information. But that is me being mm. totally like anxious and fear based, and I don't really stand by that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe, maybe I'll revisit it because I do, I do want to know. Anyways. Sorry for that tangent. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns he, him. Dear team, I'm a proud patron and have listened to your shows, First Miller She Wrote and At Daily Means, with great joy, tears, and at times, incredulity. Um, is that incredulity? Uh-huh. Is that how you would say yeah, the it, D? It, that sounds like such a weird way to say that. But yes. Right, there should be like a G in it. Yeah. Yes. No. Incre- totally. Incredulity. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I've lived overseas for the past 15 years, of which I have spent the last five in Beirut. It has been hard to stay connected with the sheer volume of news with this administration, and you all have become a delightful addition to my morning pod dog pod walk. I like that. Hmm. Say that Say that five times fast. Pod dog pod walk. Uh, I, wanted to thank- <laughs> I wanted to thank you for covering the recent events in Lebanon, starting with the October 2019 protest to the economic collapse, and now most recently to the explosion on Tuesday, August 4th. I live near the blast site, but the good news is that we were lucky enough to have escaped without injury, despite damage to the apartment and extensive damage to the area. This event is but another layer of avoidable tragedy, resulting from chronic political corruption from a hollowed-out state. For instance, there is no public ambulatory service, which has instead been delegated to the Lebanese Red Cross... LRC, mm-hmm. a primarily volunteer-based humanitarian NGO. They have provided life-saving services for years and have been critical during COVID-19 and now with this tra- tragedy. I know that there is a high demand for everyone's time and attention, but if fellow listeners are looking for a way to support those affected by the Beirut blast, please consider donating to the LRC. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so glad that you are safe. That is mm. really, really, really difficult. I can't um that's terrifying. It's that devastating. Yeah. It's devastating. Yeah. 
and and your and the Lebanese Red Cross, they called every ambulance in from the entire country, um, from the Lebanese Red Cross to help transport patients mm-hmm. after that blast, and to have been near it and to have survived. I I can't imagine what that must be like. So I'm sending you like all my love and light yeah. and thoughts. So seriously, and now with all the protests happening there too, it's like the the unrest is just going to continue. I imagine for a long while. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, We have one more here. We have one more piece of good news. And this is from Mary. And pronoun she, her. Hello, my my fellow Beanie Babies. My good news for the week is that Sunday, August 9th, 2020 is, or was, depending on when you read this, my sixth wedding anniversary. I met my husband, Adrian, in the fall of 2008. We started dating in January 2009. And we got married on August 9th, 2020. Ooh. 11 years later at my mother's house in New Jersey. Adrian is my best friend. He makes me smile. He makes me laugh. I think he smells good, (laughs) even when he's sweaty from a run. Essential. He isn't a Trump supporter or a Republican. (laughs) Hooray. (laughs) Finally, if I'm being completely honest, I like Adrian's relatives more than I like some of my own, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So, wonderful. You've married into a fantastic, smelly, good family. Yeah. And happy sixth wedding anniversary to you and Adrian. Mary. Mary and Adrian. Mm Mm-hmm. Indeed. Ah, love this segment. Yes, that was a nice little piece to end on. So thank you for sending that in, Mary. And again, send your, go to dailybeanspod.com. Send us your good news story. Send us your quarantine confessions. Send us your corrections. I will get to corrections. I swear to God. I'm just trying to find time. There's so much news. (laughs) Ah, like I think maybe tomorrow instead of having an interview segment, I'm just going to go through corrections at the end of the show and then we'll Mm -hmm. wrap it up with good news or something. But I'll get them in there because it's really important to me that we, you know, make sure that we get everything right and... As we've said, you know, between uh, Jordan, Mandy, and myself and all of our listeners, I think we know everything. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate you um, Mm -hmm. always writing in and correcting us because, uh, again, I just think it's very important. So anyway, any final thoughts before we get out of here, Jordan? Not for me, other than just to take care of yourselves and everything you're about to say. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it from here, everybody, please, until we speak tomorrow. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.